God has not called us to be overwhelmed. He's called us to walk in peace. And consequently, watch, the way we do this is by dealing with it brick by brick. Don't get overwhelmed by the magnitude of what's before you, by the dream. Yes, he might have told you to start a business. Yes, he might have told you you're going to get married. Yes, he might have told you that you're supposed to write. Yes, he might have told you that you're going to get a raise or that you're going to, you know, whatever it is that it is that he's put in your heart to do or to, to begin a family or all of these things. But the idea is not to be overwhelmed by the magnitude of the vision, but it's to build and to move forward brick by brick. Someone say brick by brick. You know, just as I get into what I want to talk about um, today, there's, you know, I just look back to when we started this church. When we started this church, we started it uh, in Malvern. And fact of the matter is, <laughs> big up yourselves. Um, but when we started in Malvern and when the Lord put in our heart to do so, because he made it clear, Yo, the man them were coming to us and they were saying all sorts of stuff like, yo, why would you plant a church here, fam? Like, why not go to Rich Man Hill, you know? <laughs> why would you not, do, you know, go to Durham or go to this place or go, to, you know, go out by. And, I'm, and, and at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is um, I'm not, I, I, God, I knew positioned us in that place. So no one could look and say that the reason you're prospering is because of X, Y, and Z. Come on, somebody. He said, I want you to go there uh, where people are asking, can anything good come out of Malvern? And uh, I want you to go there. I want you to start there in a movie theater. And when it is that you do that, uh, I'm going to do something miraculous. I'm going to cause something mighty like you're sitting here in this because of what God started there. And so it's mighty because we started there. Many people looked down. They said, what are you doing? Why would you do this? People, this type of people. And do you understand? And what? And such and such. And we said, no, we are not interested in doing what's popular. We're interested in following the direction of the Lord. And where God desires to direct us. Remember I told you last week, and I'm going to be saying this throughout the whole year. We said, not God, we're not begging God to bless what we are doing. We're asking God to lead us to what he's blessing. And sometimes the reason why we miss it is because what God is blessing is not where you thought that it should be. Sometimes it came in a package that was not Instagram worthy. Woo! And it's imperative. I'm starting slow, but I want you to get this and I want this to sink in. Because it's imperative for us to note and understand um, that God did so. And I know that I came to find that even though it didn't make sense and even though people had what they had to say, that God is a strategic God. He's a strategic God. God does not do things by accident. Uh, there's no scripture that says, oops, saith the Lord. You know. <laughs> God knows what he does, and even when he gets vexed at certain things, he is intentional about what it is that he does. Amen, somebody. And it was powerful to me because I, what, I made, what was amazing is I noted, especially in this church, as we built in a movie theater, that God would cause a Fortune 500 man and a hood man to be able to meet at the feet of the cross. And even though they would never talk in real life in many regards, we realize the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Come on, somebody. And the same gospel 
is efficacious no matter what your socioeconomic background is. There are many who were humbled and are continuing to be humble because we have our agendas and we have our perspectives and our things as to the way that we think that these things should happen. But it's powerful that God proved the world wrong, that yes, something good, man, can come out of Malvern. I just remember, I just thought it's very poetic that I left there with my mind lost and blowed because of laced drugs and I was able to come back to the same place and be able to declare the gospel. Can I testify? And see people just like me come to a place of turnaround. And if I can stand up here, I'm telling you, that's why I'm like, man, I am proof that God can use anybody. Because there's no way, based upon what had transpired in my life and what was going on, that I should have been used. But God was strategic about it. And I want to tell you this because not only was it about uh, others, but it first started in the heart and the dream in my heart was especially to build something that I could see my children, my children come to faith in Christ then. There are many of us that we build things and we're not really thinking about how the, how the implications of it upon our household. But in actuality, as I built, I was building, thinking about this. And I'll never forget even just when my children were baptized. And I see Joshua right there. I see Joshua, Shireen's son. And I'll never forget, they, and when we were smaller, and Shireen says to me, Pastor. And she says, Pastor, she goes, my kids, they've been compelled to trust Jesus. Right? And she goes, can y'all come over and meet with them to talk about the gospel with them and so I went over and my sons came with me and we went over there and I'll never forget I was sitting there I saw I don't I, if I had the picture I would show you and Joshua was sitting right there with his hand on my shoulder and I got to talk to them and show them the gospel in a little uh storybook and as we're talking through the storybook it was mind-blowing to me when I look back that after I got done ministering to Shireen's sons, and they made decisions to trust Jesus and be baptized, that on the way back to my van, that my son said, Dad, we want to be baptized too. They're like, we understand now. And it's just crazy to me. Oh, I'm just getting excited. I feel that right there because it's nuts, man, how you can be helping other folk and you don't realize that while you're helping others that God can flip that thing and reverse it and impact your household at the same time. And so it's powerful because I remember all four of our sons were baptized in that first baptism of Serve City. And so, man, this thing, when you're building this church, has familial implications. I want you to understand when you're giving, you're not just giving to your impact here right now. You are giving to those who will be pastored and led and discipled by your children in the years ahead. And so it's exciting to me when I think about building and even when God tells you to do stuff and it doesn't make sense. You know, and the strategy, even when we built we strategized and we, we, we decided we want to take time and get people and get support. Track with me. I'm going somewhere. And position ourselves to, make, to be in the best position possible to make impact. And so it took time. We said we were going to plant a church. Before we planted the church, my wife had to say yeah. Because there are many of us that are in a household. You have a vision and you want to do something, but you're not in alignment with your spouse. 
Oh man, I didn't plan to go there. But it just snuck up on me. And so I want you to understand before you make certain moves, you got to make sure that those to whom you are accountable might not be a spouse, might be parental alignment. It's an imperative uh, while you're under their house and under their roof that you're in alignment. God bless you. <laughs> I got one witness. Amen. <laughs> And so I waited. I said, babe. I said, babe. So she took time. And when she came and she said, okay, we're ready. Then I knew that was the time. And then we raised money. And not only did we raise money, but we also raised people. And we waited for an entire year before we even put anything out there. Any, uh, and all you OG city, surf city years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It took time. Strategy. Hear me, hear me. I want you to note at the top of this year, it's not just about you getting to the finish line. How you get there is going to determine and dictate if the victory will be sustained. God is not just interested in you crossing the finish line. He's in interested in generational victory and success. And so when I'm thinking about building today, when I'm thinking about building brick by brick and strategy and being strategic and familial implications and the importance of those who are, we are responsible for being impacted, even as we move forward in this year, I think about Noah. Everybody say Noah. It's a familiar story to many of you. It might be brand new to some of you. Uh, Noah is an individual that God called to build an ark and he builds an ark because a flood is coming the flood comes and Noah and his household are saved and this is a powerful story because as a result of this there are many implications uh, and I want to just look in for a few moments at this story and then I'll be out your way are we there still at Genesis 6 look so Pete Genesis 6 uh, chapter 5 verse 5 uh, are you there Genesis 6 verse 5, the Bible says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regarded that he had made, regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. I want you to peep this because uh, there are lots of people that think that the only, um, you know, God that we see in the Bible is some, you know, fairy tale, goody, goody gumdrops, you know, uh, and we think that God is Burger King and we can just have him our way. Uh, but this God that we serve is a God who is serious. He is, he is good uh, and he, he says some things that, you know, may be challenging to us. And if you really think about it, uh, in many regards, this is the condition. This was the condition of the world at that time. And if you look around you today, this is the condition of our world today wickedness great in the earth every intention of the thoughts of man in their heart was only evil continually even when we're doing good doing it with the intention of being seen as opposed to for God's glory 
But the story of Noah is powerful. And the reason why the story of Noah is powerful is we're talking about building. Watch. The story of Noah, it has historical. Someone say historical. Eschatological. It's a big word. Say it. If you want to speak in tongues, you just learn. Eschatological, which is the study of end things or end times. So it's historical. It's eschatological. And it also has practical implications in other words things that we can apply to our lives today so uh, it's very no, it's very noteworthy when i say that it's historical because of the fact that it's something that tells us uh it's a it's a historical event there are many people who think that this is just an allegory or it's just a story but no we believe it to be something that actually happened because we believe the bible uh, and so it's historical, but it's eschatological because Jesus, watch, Jesus refers to it as it pertains to the end of the world. So God destroys the world by water here and we'll see in Genesis 6 and 7 and onward. This takes place because of the evil and it also, this story points forward and Jesus actually uses it to reference how this world, which is evil, and which is going to hell in a handbasket. One day as well will be destroyed. Not by water. But by fire. For those who don't know. God's the rainbow in the sky. Is the promise that God will never destroy the entire earth. By water again. But next time it will be by fire. We see in Matthew chapter 24 verse 36. Write it down. There's an example of Jesus referencing it there. But I want you to understand, remember I said this has eschatological implications. I'm going to get to the building part in a second. But look at verse 26, uh, 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 verse uh, to Luke rather, 17. Luke 17, verse 26 through 30. I'm going to read this really quickly and then I'm going to move on. It says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Watch what they were doing. I want you to see this. For those of you, this is your focus. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark you know like the fact of the matter is that there is so such a hyper focus on lust there's such a hyper focus on marriage there's such a high, uh, love is blind and okay and all of these shows that are so focused you know experimenting how people get together and can they have you know uh, genuine experiences without seeing one another and all this there's just this hyper focus everything about lust and sex and all of these various things these things are great but the fact is that people are idolizing them and they're finding their purpose in them and the fact is that we are to be finding our purpose and our direction in God he says, watch, until the day of Noah, so he references back, when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, this ain't good shouting stuff, is it? Likewise, just as in the days, now he talks about, of Lot. And he says, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rain from heaven and destroyed them all so will it be on the day when the son of man is revealed and so he points back to that 
as a reference in order to point forward to the destruction that is coming on the earth because of the evil. Because it's a cyclical thing. God starts. God has left us to our free will. I tell people, if hell didn't exist, mankind would create one and would enjoy it. And so, there are eschatological implications. This was the place that Noah was at the time. And it was, there are things that it looks to. He, he experienced the destruction of the world in that time. And we too are seeing similar circumstances like Noah's time and like the times of Sodom and Gomorrah that are showing us that are signs that are indicative of what is to come. But the fact is that even though Noah was in this place, even though Noah was in this place, uh, and, and I, and I want to note this because Jesus references these things. He references them thousands of years after they happen. So this is where the historical implications happen. But Pete, even though Noah had this experience, even though he was surrounded by all of this craziness, the fact of the matter is that even though everyone was acting the way there was, there was a household that decided that they were going to trust God. Uh, and I love it because just like we can get uh, eschatological implications or things that tell us about what's to come right now, just like then, God found favor or Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so we don't have to go to hell in a handbasket. We don't have to follow what the world is doing. Look at verse 8 of Genesis chapter 6 says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord these are the generations of Noah Noah was a righteous man blameless in his generation Noah walked with God Noah had three sons Shem Ham and Japheth I love it it's powerful he found favor with God despite the fact that the world was corrupt and today I'm talking to somebody. I want to talk to somebody. I want to call on somebody. I know what the rest of the world is doing. I know what the rest of the world is reading. I know how they're responding to the tragedies and the difficulties and the things that are happening around. But you can find favor in God's sight. Come on, somebody. You, by the grace of God and the favor of the Lord, can be in the middle of hell and flooding situations. At the end of the day, you can find refuge as you trust in God here it is text says Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord these are the generations of Noah verse 8 Noah was a righteous man someone say a righteous man there it is righteousness and he was blameless in his generation someone say blameless blameless in his generation and then it says Noah walked with God there it is righteousness and blamelessness he gets favor with God through his righteousness and blamelessness. One more time, say righteousness and blamelessness. Here it is. I want to tell you this because it's through this that God gives him the idea and tells him about the ark, which he then gets safety and preservation for he and his family. Here it is. Righteousness and blamelessness positions us for preservation and prosperity. Let me say it again. Righteousness and blamelessness positions us, watch, for preservation and prosperity. Noah's, Noah was not just walking around and God's like, oh, yeah, I think I'm just going to be cool to this guy. 
Noah is righteous as he knows how before the Lord. He is not only righteous, but he is also blameless. It's not about perfection, but he was in a position where he was righteous before God and he was blameless. Consequently, God gives him an idea that preserves him and his household. I hear the Bible declare in, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. Are y'all still tracking with me? It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you there are many of us that our attempt is to skip righteousness to get to the favor of the Lord and yes there are things that we get that we don't deserve and yes God we don't deserve really anything that we get aside from the grace of the Lord but the fact of the matter is uh, that there are there are things that we can do that position God to be pleased with us by his grace and so he says that he's righteous that he's a righteous man and that he's blameless in his generation can that be said of you for those of you that are professing to be Christians, when people encounter you or talk about their interactions with you, do they see you not as a perfect person, but someone who is righteous? Someone who is in pursuit of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Makes it clear that all things will be added to us as a result of us determining to follow God and the things that are right in his path. We are building brick by brick. I want you to note this and understand as Psalm chapter 1 verse declares and says, I'm not yelling today because I want you to get this. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful but on the law of God or the word of God does he meditate day and night for that person will be like a tree that is planted here it is by the rivers of water here's the preservation his leaf will not wither he, and he says and he will bring forth fruit in his season and whatsoever he does will prosper. You can't get to the whatsoever he does will prosper and the, his leaf will not wither without talking about not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standing in the way of sinners. Nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. No, I'm not here to talk to you about salvation and tell you got to work to be saved. But I'm here to tell you that oftentimes divine strategy is attached to our righteousness. Oh, and our blamelessness. There are many of us that you are the guilt and the things that you are holding. The stuff that you have not released. The fact that you are continuing to walk in things that are opposing to God's will and God's way. Oftentimes we're wondering why is it that we are not progressing? Why is it that we're unable to walk in victory? And oftentimes it's because of the lifestyle that we are employing. Can I talk about holiness today? And I want you to understand that when I'm saying this, I'm not saying that, Moses, that Noah attained righteousness by himself. Because the fact of the matter is that he had favor, but as Hebrews 11 verse 7 says, everybody say Hebrews 11 7. Says by faith, 
Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fair constructed an ark for the saving of his household. It's powerful because Noah, he is, he is righteous by faith. And so when I'm talking about righteousness and walking in righteousness, it's not about you obsessing over your ability or inability to do what's right or what's wrong, but it's putting your trust in God and asking him, asking him to strengthen you to the place where you are walking in a righteous and a blameless place before him. And so he finds favor. And then it goes on in that verse, in verse 9, it says, Noah walked with God. So it's by faith, it's through relationship with God. Are you walking with God? And so the encouragement is, he's walking with God. He finds favor. He's a righteous man. He is blameless in his generation. And, and he consequently is to the place where he is positioned for preservation and prosperity. And so I'm almost done, but I want you to get this. I had to note this, and I wanted you to peep this, because God then tells him in verse 14, what verse did I say? Here we are. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side make it with lower second and third decks for behold i will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all the flesh in which is the breath of of life under heaven everything that is on the earth shall die so god by noah walking with god he hears the secrets of god God wasn't out there with a megaphone like, I'm going to destroy the whole world. He These are things oftentimes we read in the scripture. But Noah is walking with God. Consequently, God talks to him and tells him what it is that he's getting ready to do. And he gives him a strategy. Can I tell you, in walking with God, watch, uh, before God gives you success, he usually gives you a strategy. Oh, that's good enough to tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. Before God gives you success, he often gives you a strategy. Look at the strategy of God. God tells him to build an ark because he has favor with the Lord in the middle of a recession. I mean, in the middle of a flood. He is positioned, come on somebody, to be able to make it safely through when the rest of the world is going to hell in a handbasket. God gives him a strategy. He gives him the exact amount of things he's to build. What it's supposed to look like. He gives him a strategy. I love it. I want you to understand that there's a reason why God put water in place before he created fish. There are many people that understand that God is spiritual. We're like, God showed me in a vision. The same God showed you in a vision, he's going to also give you a strategy to make sure that vision comes to pass with excellence. And so when you're seeking God for success, many of us, before we seek God for success, we should be saying, God, how can I strategically carry out this thing that you have put in place? I love it because he goes on and then he tells them all of the, he says he's going to establish his covenant. I'm moving. Imagine the ridicule and the criticism. Yo fam, why are you building an ark? More than likely, Noah was not building the ark near an ocean. 
because there's no reason why he would build it near an ocean because he wasn't planning to push it out and go to sea. He was just building it. Imagine you just go and somebody's just building an ark outside the door. Imagine the ridicule as they looked and they said, what are you doing? There are people who will look and don't understand that he was not going out to the water. The water was going to come to him. The thing that was going to make the thing he was building float was showing up to him. He didn't have to force it. He didn't have to put it near. Man, I want to tell somebody today that when you got favor from the Lord, God will give you strategy. Watch. He'll give you strategy and tell you to do stuff that to onlookers will make no sense. But then he'll cause the stuff that you need for that thing you're building to float to come to you. can only imagine i mean it's just nuts because this boat he's building god gives him a strategy and he causes this thing then to float this is amazing to me uh and then now look um because i want you to know it's not that you're not gifted it's not that you didn't hear from god it's not that you know and, and many of you you're looking at other people and you're like why are new in the world are they doing this and how are they progressing and how have they gone ahead and the fact of the matter is first of all comparison kills Number one, uh, so, you know, stop maliciousing yourself in people business. That's what my grandmother would say. So take your nose out of what people, because you don't understand the process or the strategy it took for them to get to, oh my. I'm telling you, uh, don't judge your process time uh, based on someone else. I'm telling people, there are a lot of people that see the hundreds and the thousands and all this stuff uh, that are connected to Surf City. I tell them, listen fam, I've been doing this for 18 years been pastoring been following christ from step to step for the past 18 years pastoring people building churches helping other people plant and build and so what you see today is not a result of a flash in the pan but there is a strategy because god is strategic and so the fact is god will tell you what you need to do for your life to position yourself so that you can experience preservation and prosperity is anyone catching this today? And so here, 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 here. I want you to note this. Uh, verse chapter 7. Now moving over and I'm done. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household. For I have seen, here it is again, that you are righteous before me in this generation. Now I want you to understand and I want you to note this. Many people think that Noah built the ark and he got out there with a megaphone. You guys repent and come in the boat. No. God told him to build a house, a boat for his household. Uh, you don't believe me? Remember, remember uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 declared it. Notice, notice in Hebrews 11, 7 says, By faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of the world? No, for the saving of his household. God warns him. I want you to understand uh, this. You, you have the cheat codes because you have the Bible. You have, you get, God, God is able to give you uh, wisdom and things that are beyond this world when you come and you listen to what they saith the Lord and the, and the preaching of God's word. It is powerful because then note, he says, uh, you and your household. And it's, it's amazing to me because in this season, because Noah, he brings his family in. He brings all of the animals and things that God tells him and prescribes for him to bring into the ark. But, and his family, he and his household are saved. 
But I want you to know this. Not only is God strategic about what you're supposed to build, but he's, he's strategic about who, you, who you're supposed to bring along the journey. Yeah. I said all that to say this. I want you to get it. In this season ahead, there are people, watch, isn't it nuts that there were probably, Noah did not, and this is what historians believe, 9 out of 10, Noah did not build the ark by himself. He may have employed people who helped him build the ark, but they didn't get to come for the journey. I'm trying to help some people to understand. Fact of the matter is, uh, there's people that are taking along and that are doing stuff uh, and that are, might even be helping you construct things that are not even going to be around uh, at the finish line to celebrate with you. I wonder who I'm talking to in this place. And it don't always mean that the people are not good people. Fact is that there's some folk in your life that are just a scaffolding that are supposed to walk with you for a certain journey. But at the end of the day, baby, it's not that you're bad, uh, but in this season you gonna be bad for me come on somebody and so I'm uh, I'm telling you man it's stuff that I didn't mean to raise but I said I'm promising myself I'm gonna keep calm today because I want you to get this stuff look man listen listen so as folk this is the thing people everybody that leaves you there are many of us especially as pastors uh, some of the biggest difficulty if I could just be transparent is that you pour your guts into everybody a lot of times you say one thing that somebody don't like and then they're just gone. No matter what it is that you have done, no matter how much you've helped them, doesn't matter how you were up crying late in the night with them and their loved ones and their family. You say one thing, they want grace that they're not willing to extend. So it's no perfect people allowed for you, but that don't mean, because uh, my last name must be Christ. No, I guess. Oh man, am I allowed to say this stuff today? But isn't it crazy that you can have people in your life that are unwilling to extend the grace that they want you to extend to them? And so, and you know, when people leave, they're never going to leave and tell people all the good stuff. I need to call you. You better call me down to this seat, babe, because I'm just... But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, listen, listen. Who are you welcoming into the ark? Especially if God has not provisioned for them to go on the ark. God has told you what to build and God will tell you who to bring along. Man, yo, even the animals them fam. He was like, you bring two and then the rest of them got to go. See, it's, oh, listen man. And he even told them how you're supposed to act when you're coming onto the ark. It's people that you're letting on. God gave marching orders and you letting them come on acting the fool. And there's folks that you know aren't supposed to be on there by the way that they're acting as they're getting on the boat. Come on, somebody. This year, God is saying, just let me raise my voice. Allow me for two seconds. This year, God is calling you to assess, come on, those who are on the ark with you. It's imperative for you not to cry another tear. If you are prayerful and you are seeking God about who's to go with you, come on, somebody. Let them, I mean, jokers, go. Ah, uh, y'all don't. How are you being prayerful and then you get mad when God dis disconnects people from you? 
And then now watch, we can effectively serve the people that God wants us to serve because we're caught up serving people that were supposed to get off the boat back at Finch Station. Listen, man, I'm telling you, here it is. Uh, in this season, I'm supposed to be done, but I want you to get this. Ask God, watch, who and what should come with you as you build this year. Ask God who and what should come with you as you build this year. Who is it, man? There are some of you, uh, you're, it's not that God hasn't called you. It's not that God hasn't given you a strategy, but you're, build, you're building with the wrong people. Listen, I want you to understand, and this is where I'm going, note, uh, because this is powerful to me, not just that God tell them who was supposed to be on the boat uh, and what was supposed to be on the boat, but it's imperative to note that Noah's household was saved. It's not selfish for you in this season to think about the well-being of your loved ones. Uh, can I just talk to somebody? Uh, fact is that the decisions I made, like I said, when I built this church was not just for me, but it was for my household. And I'm telling somebody today, not just this building that we're getting ready to build and go into in this property we will get as a church, but as you are building the vision that God has put in your heart this year, you need to get to the place where you don't let everybody else's household be benefiting and in order while your house is going to hell when you're praying for others you better be praying for your children come on somebody when it is that everyone else's cousins and family and you've been spending spending so much time interceding building art for the cousins them come on uh, when your children your own children your own family and siblings and your own squad is going to, I'm telling you today and there are many of you watch this uh, you be, are you, oh Jesus I'm going to say it though Pastor Chantel's looking real nervous. Because out of this TV YouTube preacher season, more, too many of y'all, watch, have been given more to those YouTube preachers. You're not a part of their church. You're not benefiting from their church. Uh, and then you just throw chump change in the place where you're actually a member. Y'all don't like this preaching, but it's okay. I'm just, I'm going home. It's imperative, fam. Noah builds the ark based on the strategy of the Lord. Hear me? And not only does he build it based on the strategy of the Lord, but it's for the preservation of his household. God puts just the right amount of everything he needs on the boat so that for 40 days and 40 nights he and his family can be miraculously sustained in a time of flooding there are many of you that the reason why the resources run out is because there's one too many people on the ark can I just talk revelation I want you to grab this man in this season watch I get that you want to be charitable but in this season, you've got to be even intentional with your charity. I'm closing. Go ahead and tinkle. Let's go. Amen. <laughs> but in all seriousness, 
what God has put in your heart, He's called you to build it brick by brick. He wants you to be strategic. The world is going to hell in a handbag. People don't talk about that stuff anymore. But the first and, fo first and foremost, it's imperative that you are seeking God and His righteousness because those who are righteous and blameless before God by faith in Him, that God will reveal. There are people that will look around you and they'll be like, how on earth are you making it, man? How are you staying afloat? Can I prophesy? How are you staying afloat when everything else is getting to... And you get to tell them, hey man, it's because I'm patterning my life and I'm building my life based upon the strategy of my God. Someone today, as I noted and I said that this has eschatological implications. It also has salvific implications. Learning big words. Somebody say salvific. In other words, related to salvation. The fact of the matter is, I'm not just telling you about how to practically apply this and to make sure that you're building with the strategy of Christ on this earth so you can live a life of preservation and prosperity that brings glory to God in the earth. But I would be remiss if I told you all that and I didn't tell you about getting in the ark of salvation through trust and faith in Jesus the Bible makes it clear that the time is coming where this world is going to burn like an oven and God gave us all of those implications things like Sodom and Gomorrah things like the flood to point us give us points of reference as prototypes for what is going to happen in the days ahead Nobody believes it now because we just marry and giving in marriage and having a plast and a party and doing whatever we want to do. I can just do whatever I want. Doesn't that sound like Satan? I am God. I just... God is calling you today to get into the ark of safety through trust and faith in Jesus. Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, he came to the earth. He lived perfectly because he knew you and I wouldn't. He died for the sins of mankind in our place. And he rose from death with all power in his hands on the third day. And today he extends to you the opportunity to put your trust and your faith in him. To get into the ark of safety called salvation. Someone says, how do I do that? How do I begin a relationship with Jesus? First thing is to repent. Everyone say repent. What it means is to get to a place where you actually say, I'm sorry. You acknowledge you're a sinner. You're in need of salvation. You're in need of a relationship with God. And you turn. Someone say turn. You turn in faith and say, God, I believe that you came and lived perfectly. That you died. That you rose from death with all power. And I put my trust and my faith in you. I want you to be the Lord and the boss of my life. The savior of my life. And then lastly, you're baptized. Someone say, be baptized. And so that's putting a ring on it. That's sealing the deal. It's going beyond just saying something cute. But actually being buried with Christ in the water. And then we bring you up and you identify with his resurrection, new life. No matter what you've done, it is washed away. You can leave it in the water.
and follow Jesus all the way today. And so online and in the house, listen, I'm excited. We have not yet had our first baptism for the year, but I am stoked to see at the top of this year, people follow Jesus all the way in baptism. And so today, I call you, if you're not in the ark of safety, if you have a relationship with God through trust and faith and baptism in Jesus Christ, I invite you to make that decision to go all the way with him today and if there's someone who you're like pastor i've already been baptized i've run away from christ and you know i i what do i do man I, do i gotta be baptized again no you just have to come home today we invite you to come back home you might have run away from christ but he's never run away from you so make that decision today to trust him for the first time or to come back home and so on the seat back in front of you again I draw your attention to the connection card in the house on the screens those watching here and also those listening via podcast go to servecity.ca forward slash connection card and when it is that you do that we will let us know about your decision and we will follow up with you and connect with you 